Yo, what's going on? It's your boy, Big Wavy Roy Johnson here. Hello everyone, this is the interview queen, Alicia Too. This is the infamous Cameron Solis. This is the professional Nathan Cruz. This is Veggie. This is the Callahan Death Machine in the draw and the face of Impact Wrestling. Sammy Callahan. The one and only shot with Thunder Willie Mac. This is Shreddy Breck, aka Mr. Clangin' and Bangin'. And you're listening. You are listening to. You are listening to. Broken but glorious. Broken but glorious. Broken but glorious. Hey, yeah. Hello and welcome to Broken but Glorious on BBGWrestling.com. I'm Chris Lappin and I'd like to be joined by the Extreme Seagull, Nick Davy. I've had that nickname before, but good evening. <laughs> Uh, Mark Fox. Is that all I'm getting, is it? Cheers. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what happens when you've been away for so long? You don't even get an intro. You don't even get Grapple Arcades, Mark Fox. You just get Mark Fox. You moved at me last time calling you Grapple Arcades, Mark Fox. Then I'll get called Mike Knox. No, it's all right. Mike Knox, yeah. <laughs> Mike Knox. That's fine. No problem. Hi. Whatever, Chris. <laughs> uh, Pablo. How are you doing? Hello. Uh, so... Who would win out of a fox and a seagull? Do you think? Seagull. The fight. Like, how big's a seagull? It's, it's pretty. I mean, has the fox got any chips on its back? <laughs> well, I was going to say, yeah, like it, as <laughs> yeah. an extreme seagull, you steal chips from people. Um, you steal Marty Jannetty's Ico Pro. See, I got it in there. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Um, no one will know what that means as well, so you know. Uh, good. Yeah, uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. By the way, yeah. Hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 All right, so we've got some news and some bits and some admins to get through before we start. So we've got a new schedule coming up for the foreseeable future. So Mark. Ooh. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm wearing I'm wearing a, a glitter tuxedo to announce this. <laughs> you could all see it. Um, I'm not. I'm in my pants. On Monday, <laughs> we're going to be starting up on a Monday with uh, Pablo's Turnchuckle Show, and that will involve all sorts of hilarities and funness and, and joy that I'm sure a lot of you are already aware of if you're tuning into the Turnchuckle Show. Um, it's going to be covering bits and pieces to do with AEW and Impact, also some general retro roundup stuff. Um, legend interviews, as I know you're all accustomed to at the moment when you tune into Turnchuckle. Colin Delaney's pretty much, you know, <laughs> he's, he's, got, got, he's got a sleeping bag now. <laughs> 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 uh, it's part of the show. Um, it's all great fun, and we're looking forward to hearing a lot more of that. So stay tuned for Monday uploads of Turnchuckle. On Tuesday, we've got a nice, new, really fun partnership going on with Fight. Uh, where we've been covering recently a couple of GCW shows and we're going to be continuing to work with Fight going forward to review a lot of their programming. Um, thankfully, we've had uh, Steve to keep us uh, informed of what's actually going on in those, some of those promotions that we're covering because I'm a bit of a newbie to a lot of that stuff as I keep mentioning time and time again on those <laughs> reviews. While he's a bit of the master, he's a bit of a sensei. Uh, he's master splinter of the indie world, and I'm like, um, <laughs> I'm like one of the turtles before the ooze actually reaches them and turns them into ninjas, splodging <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> around in shitty water. But yeah, it's it's good crack. We've got a lot of really fun back and forth on there. It's really good to be welcomed into his world. So we've got that's going to be a fun Tuesday anyway. Wednesday, you've got this beautiful Bonnie Sunny delightness of BBG show. Uh, where we talk about all sorts of shit, including um, what the week ahead is, <laughs> as we are now, um, but also the week that's been. 
going to be doing all sorts of bits and bobs with this going forward as, as well. And as you know, at the moment, it's quite an interesting one because I think this is the first time that me and Pablo have been on this together. Mega powers explode. Yeah. But we'll, yeah, we'll explode within. <laughs> An internal explosion. Implode. Implode. Yeah. There you go. That's the one. <laughs> oh, God. Um, oh, we've started. Oh. <laughs> it begins. Um, so, yeah, BBG show on a Wednesday, as has always been. Thursday is going to be an interesting uh, new concept. We're going to be carrying on with the For the Love of Wrestling shows that we've been doing. Uh, where we speak a bit about the event and we've got a bit of an update of of that event in general because it's now being postponed again to next year due to issues with the old COVID. So um, we're going to be talking a bit more about that going forward, getting different people on for interviews. We're going to be carrying on with our Hands Off the Merchandise show where we get different people on to talk about very specific things to do with merchandising over the years, such as action figures, collector cards, sticker books, all sorts of stuff. Artists, photographers, you name it, we've got them on. Um, and me and Pablo talking nonsense about all of those lovely things. But we're also going to be starting a new show called COVID Neo. That's <laughs> right. COVID Neo 1990s. All about Coliseum home videos, everything to do with it. The, the joys that were and the joys that are. We know there's a few of them up on the network at the moment, I think, but we're not going to be doing that. We've got. A massive old stockpile of VHS in case there's any lockdown issues with internet. If it's clotheslines. And Trump kicks it, you're after. Basically, we're going to be watching a lot of Coliseum Home Video crap and joy. Because there's a bit of a mix, uh, let's be honest. One, one man's crap is another man's treasure, thank you very much. <laughs> Indeed, you're completely yeah. on the ball with that. So yes, we're going to be doing that and see how that goes, and we're going to be starting off this week with Smack and Whack'em, I believe. We are going to be starting with Smack and Whack'em. We, uh, we watched it for the first time in a long time over the weekend. Um, we're also going to be doing Invasion of the Body Slammers, which was requested by a listener. Um, which kind of it, it give us like so that really give us the idea to start doing this. So full credit to to you who uh, suggested it as well. So um, you know, um, Smack and Whackham includes such things as you know Bret Hart's title win against Ric Flair, uh, the first WWF ladder match, and DIY with the Bushwhackers. So um, it's it's the hilarity that you would expect. And obviously, as well, one of my favourite segments of all time, which is how much food can Yokozuna eat? Whilst, <laughs> well, it wasn't called that. It wasn't whilst like Gene Auckland um, <laughs> looks very sultry towards the waitress. That's pretty much what that segment's all about. Looking forward to well, a bit more well, about that one. And uh, Friday, these aren't just going to be. Oh no, sorry. These aren't just going to be reviews. Though we're going to go in depth. We're going to give you facts and figures. We're going to, you know, you're going to learn more about Coliseum videos than you ever have before, than you ever needed to know. We're gonna we're gonna feed your brain with so much Coliseum video information <laughs> that you're gonna start forgetting birthdays and you know <laughs> bank account numbers and stuff like that. You know, this that's how you know and it's and it's gonna prepare you for jobs going forward. <laughs> it's gonna prepare you for your SAT exams. Um hopefully you won't you won't end up with a bad cough. Fingers crossed you don't. That's not the plan. But either way, on Friday, <laughs> you've got the antidote if you do, because you've got the BBG interview with our boy Chris. Um, as you all know, that Chris tours the land far and wide, 
to interview the best of British wrestling and international wrestlers as well. And we've had so many joys on. Who's the most recent upload, Chris, for our listeners, if you haven't checked them out yet? We had the, the violent gentleman, Tommy Jackson, last week. We had Tonga the week before. This week we've got NXT, TNT backstage interviewer, Simon Hill. Brilliant, man. So stacked as usual. Yeah, God, man, I don't you find the time. Um, but yeah, we've basically got a week's worth of joy, and that's that's generally the sort of schedule going forward. So Monday's Turn Chuckle, Tuesday's our fight reviews, Wednesday's the BBG show, Thursday's COVID, your stroke for the love of wrestling and hands off the merchandise, and Friday is the big BBG interview. So yeah, loads of joy. And Saturday and Sunday is the day of rest. Rest, <laughs> rest holds. Forty-eight hour rest holds. At the end of the show as well, I will announce mm-hmm. some upcoming guests for Turn Chuckle and for Hands Off the Merchandise, mm-hmm. and yes. they are some biggies. So, uh, yeah, Ooh, he's a biggie. Ooh. That um, was yeah, Justin Hawk, <laughs> Bradshaw, Cow, Moo, Noise. <laughs> I've, okay, I've, I got it. Yep. I know Anyway, swiftly moving anyway, on. Yeah. We'll back over to you, Chris. I've heard some congratulations are in order, Mark. So your band are about to release the first single. So tell us about bit about your band and the song release dates. Oh, it's a funny old one. This band, this band's a funny old one indeed. Uh, the release date is is um, within August. It's this month. It's sort of mid to late August. I think we're about. To, I think it's been scheduled now. I think it's been announced what date's going to be, but. Mm. If you aren't sure, just go on Facebook and check it out, because I'm not sure, so I'm going to go on Facebook now and check it out. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, um, we are working in cooperation with uh, Beyond Recording, and we can't wait to be doing more and more stuff with them as time goes forward, Beyond are based in the Northeast. And um, they've got, firstly, an absolutely beautiful record shop in town, um, and also the um, have opened up the recording label side of their business. So we're going to be releasing our first single with them called Holiday House on Friday the 21st of August. The band is called Surreal Prismatics, by the way. And it's myself and my mate Robbo who've been um, playing and doing lots of silly nonsense music stuff for the last sort of 10, 12 years together or so, oh, on and off. Um, so yeah. we kind of went through our back catalogue of stuff that we've recorded and we, we, we've got up, we're currently up to in terms of finished tracks we're up to about 140 songs and then we've got about oh, wow. another sort of 70 or 80 that are kind of half finished but that's like 12 years worth of work mm-hmm. you know what I mean like we, so not uh, match songs then sorry so not match songs then <laughs> they're all about they're all about crisps so yeah, you know it's, it's actually quite easy yeah there's, a, there's an interesting narrative that we've uh, we've had to put forward for a press release, which is true, actually. Um, I'll leave I'll leave that in in the palm of your hands. But it does involve getting onto a bus, not knowing where we're going, and a Mexican wrestler being on the bus. So yeah, <laughs> well, that's uh, that's how the surreal prismatic started. But um, that'll all come out in the wash. So yes, um, Holiday House coming out on the twenty first of August with the end recording. Ta. And he's a sample anyway. Take care of itself And the pictures will rise in itself 
And that okay. was the sample. So cheers for listening. Right, so today we'll be discussing things we'd like to personally see when fans return. Firstly, in British wrestling, then in large companies like WWE, AEW. Um, I've also asked the Ultimate Diva Tonga and Dark Fruits Dave Grant for their thoughts on the subject. So I'll spice them in throughout the show. So firstly, British scene, what are we hoping to see when fans return? It's it's um, a tricky one. I'll quickly get yeah. this one out there because I've had a bit of a think about this. And to be honest with me, it's it's the simple fact of I feel that I took for granted what it felt like to be at a live show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a while since I went to uh, a show at North Wrestling. You know, I'm big fans of North yeah. and we've, uh, we've done a lot of bits and bobs with them in the past. And I really cannot wait to get to another North Wrestling show. It feels like it's been forever and I won't be taking it for granted anymore going forward. That's for sure. My kids are missing Wrestle Island so much. My, th- my five-year-olds made me create like the whole roster on WWE 13. Thirteen. <laughs> you, your whole kids are playing WWE 13. They deserve a round of applause just for that. We dusted off the PS3 and that one lives downstairs. Joel takes his Xbox upstairs. That's the only game I've got for the PS3. <laughs> 13 has stood the test of time because that has the great Attitude Era roster on it as well. Yes, that's does. like 13 of and 14 I'll rank up there as well because the Legends roster on that game because of the 30 years of WrestleMania is just superb. Like Those are the only two games you need going forward for the rest of your life, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Out of Nick, any game. You. Not even just wrestling. Like, any game. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nick, you're, you're like local missions on an indefinite hiatus. Yeah, I think it's a tough one for them. I mean, I mean, last year they actually did a show that was run outside, which thinking back, that's probably something that could potentially work uh, if they are allowed, but then obviously once mm. you get into the colder months, then it obviously won't work because then you're relying on it not to rain. So I think I think they're just making a great decision of the fact that it's it's pretty pointless um, uh, doing like, trying to attempt to run any shows this year. So I think they've just taken yeah, that the... That church gets heaving when there's... It's at the it's best packed. of times. It's um, hard to social distance, and that's putting yes. it lightly. Um, <laughs> I mean, especially as last time I went, I was quite critical of the new setup. It was a bit of just a simply put, a bit of a logistical nightmare in terms of people mm-hmm. trying to access merch, people trying to access access refreshments, uh, people trying to access the toilets, or not going down to the toilets. So even just people generally wanting to access seeing their pals or what have you. It just all led to one big um, chaotic where they moved extra <laughs> seats in. Um, so I think, yeah, getting, it's one thing getting, um, it's one thing getting, um, obviously your logistics right. There's another thing, obviously controlling and uh, controlling fans that do want to obviously see each other, obviously want to have a few drinks. So it's all, um, yeah, so it's all slightly difficult for how you are going to put together. And, and at the end of the day, if someone, if hypothetically, say, if someone a fan does come in and starts and picks up the virus and spreads it, then they're responsible in the days. So then they have to enter all sorts of legal disputes and what have you. So yeah. I think, yeah, it's best for them taking a taking a breather at least for for the remainder of the um uh for the calendar year. Yeah, because I know um, TNT Extreme Wrestling have a show booked at the end of October, and I think a mission show in November. So- uh, they're the only lo- shows locally I've seen advertised. So I don't know about North if they've got any shows announced. 
I'll have to double check. I'd, uh, I'll have to double check. I'm not quite sure, to be honest, as to yeah. um, what has formed. I think the problem is for a lot of promotions, obviously, is that early on, much like with any business, really, very early on in this, there was this kind of weird, um, almost like unofficial commentary that things would be back to normal in September, October time. I don't know why that was spread, but that's kind of what the rhetoric mm-hmm. was around yeah. everywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then it's probably definitely not going to be that at all, even within well, the, next year. The pilots, <laughs> already, the pilots have obviously, the pilot plans for the weekend, um, obviously with Goodwood, uh, a few of the cricket shows, the snooker championship. Obviously, the fact they've already cancelled them isn't mm. very isn't very pleasing. But again, we've said in the show countless times that it's changing. It's changing by the day. I mean, some days it's looking fantastic. Um, it's looking like we should be heading back to normal again. We don't make this into a political sort of debate or anything like that. Um, <laughs> of um, of when it should be. Of when it should be, because obviously I think my views would be very controversial of when of when normality should. Be. I mean, if I if I if I had it my way, I'd make it normal back to normal tomorrow. So I'm probably very much in the wrong in that regard. But um, I think with what with what's going on, I, I agree with Mark. I think being October would be very ambitious, and I think we have to more plan for next year. So I think for most companies, I think it's the correct of not trying to certainly run before you can can walk again or anything like that. Yeah, because I know my local promotion, Wrestle Island, or they're currently doing raffles and stuff to try and get some money together to do their first show early next year. And they've got they've got they're starting a forum of fans and um, wrestling insiders and wrestlers to to kind of do around the issues of the speaking out movement and the Black Ma- Black Lives Matters to try and get things in place like equal pay and opportunities for both men male and female talents and doesn't matter about your race and and uh, I think minimum where you want to see a bit of CLB check of every wrestler going forward yeah. and, there's a lot of things they, that have been said, about, I've seen a bit of that about there's a couple of movements that have said about um, it's got, had started getting a lot of support and a lot of momentum mm-hmm. about external non-wrestling related um, groups Wanting yeah. wrestling promotions to put X, Y, and Z into place, making it safer working environments and CRB, and I think that's pretty amazing, really. I mean, it's going to mm. take it; it's going to have a knock-on effect on the industry, but fucking good. <laughs> like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, as, as, a, as a base, if we lose half of the industry, or three quarters, then fair enough. Yeah. Like, did you see the um, the uh, the thing that Equity put out yesterday? That's what uh, I'm referring f- to. Yes. Thanks yeah. for remembering The that. five yeah, pledges for wrestling promotions. I've got it here. So, one, that all promotions have a clear and robust dignity at work policy. Two, that all transport and accommodation arrangements are agreed with talent in advance. Uh, oh, and I've lost it. Three, that a separate, private, and secure dressing room space be provided at every show. Yeah. Four, that a paramedic be, be present at every show, which I highly agree with after the Silver King incident. Yeah. Um, and five, that all associated wrestling schools provide clear safeguarding policies. I 1 million percent agree with that. And I think that any companies that don't do that going forward, I think will get what they deserve, basically. Well, I hope they do, and I hope there's a backlash against them. You're going to have some outlaw ones who just say, you know... Screw this because that's all almost part of the gimmick, you know what I mean? Like, like, 
controversy creates cash, as the shop says, you know. Will they not be breaking the law at that point? Who knows? This is the thing, because the problem, again, not going to go down the political side of things, but because of the way that the government has kind of approached the whole COVID thing, it's putting liability back on the on the organisations and companies rather than it being a legal or lawful situation. Like everything's been about it's up to shops to decide how they how they, you know, make sure that you wear a mask going in. It's up to the bus drivers to tell you that you can or can't go on the bus without a mask. It's up to that's why there's so much confusion because at the end of the day it's the end user and the person in front of them who's gonna have to have that confrontation and nobody wants that. So it's just gonna nothing's unless it's made proper policy and, and legisl- legislation, um, then I don't know how anything can be enforced and it's gonna fall back onto, dare I say, us as fans to say, Fuck you, sort your act out and I hope yeah, I do- and I think we will, you know, I think that's what it'll be. I think that's that's the reality of it. I do agree. I don't think that this was necessarily the result of COVID, though. I think this is something that, you know, a, a highly controversial now wrestler who we won't mention was actually a lot responsible for with mm-hmm. dealing with equity. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he was largely responsible for a, a movement which has been a good thing. Now, personally, he's a arsehole and all that kind of stuff but um you know this has been the result of that and a lot of people fighting for that as well and i think it's been probably the wrestlers as well i mean one thing that hasn't come into this is like hey um yeah. i think that that'll be a thing that will you know i mean if there's no shows at the moment obviously it's a hard thing to uh look at anyway but you know i think it will go into the whole are you self-employed are you not you know um I think, although I agree with you, it's not necessarily about COVID. I think what's happened is because of the amalgamation of several things happen at the same time, um, that 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 speaking out hashtag movement, um, along with Black Lives Matter, and along with the everydays of people not going to work and not wanting to rock the boat and things like that because of COVID and lockdown, it's all kind of accumulated together. So because people are off work and not at shows and aren't worried about, you know, pissing off promoters that they've got booked gigs with this week and things like that, they can actually sit at home and take stock of things properly. So there's maybe a bigger voice because of the fact that they aren't worried about rocking the vote if they do speak up. Mm. Do you get what I mean? So there's more opportunity for people to say, you know what, I support this. And put the names towards things because once you have a That's break, true. a break in the system, so to speak, you've got a bit of a break there. It allows people to take stock and, and reflect on everything properly, rather than being stuck in their current bubble. Yeah, it's just nice to see a uh, uh, industry like wrestling, which I mean, largely by the mainstream press and public, gets mocked because they mm-hmm. think it's just silly. Uh, be taken seriously by a company like Equity. It's, it's a, definitely a positive thing that's happened. Well, hopefully, by going forward with this this movement and this motion, and uh, and hopefully going down this route, will maybe help the industry not to be mocked because maybe yeah. they've been so cowboys and circus fodder for the last well forever. Let's be honest, um, and you know they've kind of. Uh, it's part and parcel of what it is. They've been mocked, and because they haven't been taken seriously, they've been allowed to get away with a lot more. Um, and now that they're maybe going to be taken seriously, it might mean that they won't be allowed to get away with this with the shit that they've been able to get away with. So I, would hope so. It, I think yeah. it all kind of hopefully works hand in hand. Fingers crossed. 
But and yeah. ho- hopefully it's one of those things that like will instead of a trickle down situation, it'll be a thing that encourages the bigger companies to look at their practices as well. And you know, AEW are actually doing a fine job, but mm-hmm. WWE have a lot to learn from some of these companies. Yeah, I've got to say, dancing girls on last year, last night's Raw. Was it? How nice. It's, I mean, it's it's unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, one thing yeah. you've got to remember is that the WWE is the granddad stuck in wartime. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they've during the war kind of <laughs> WWE are the old man with bad habits and a bad attitude that you need to try and sort of tell sort your act out. Um, but it's the mm-hmm. granddad who's stuck in the way kind of thing, so it's it's going to be chipping away at bits and bobs. Whereas AEW are the impressionable 18 year old who's going to college and is surrounded by lots of people who are wise to what's currently going on you know what i mean so it, i think mm-hmm. i'm hoping that it will make an effect and it will cause them to 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 sort the shit out at wwe when it comes to things like that but at the end of the day if they don't and they're still making money well <laughs> well it that's, comes up to, that's where it comes up to us to kind of you know yeah. That's the thing we'll, we'll talk about WWE. Anyway, sorry, yes, yeah. So there's they're kind of saying they can't run shows if they can only have like thirty or fifty people in. But could they go down like a pay per view route? Who's that? Indies. The, the, the British indie scenes. Like if you can't, you can't. It's tricky. Three grounds to run a show. You can't have thirty people in. It's tricky. I think there needs to be less shows. Um, if for that to work. We've seen it work with, with certain people doing gigs online and things like that, but I think once it starts happening, it's all good fun, it's all interesting, but once the market's saturated, the general viewers lose interest. Yeah, um, they're all, I mean, the vast majority of independent wrestling companies have already got digital footage up there. They've already got YouTube channels. They're all on Power Slam or on Fight or different sort of broadcasters. They're all, the, the vast majority that are, you know, that, that are synonymous in people's minds Mm. are up there and are already readily available to watch. I suppose my point being from that is if they're already up there, then what can they do differently to make it more financially sustainable? Because obviously, you know... I would have sponsored banners. They need to all that kind of... Well, <laughs> no, no, North, honestly. Like, yeah. North, yeah. North, North did a great thing. Not North, and, and I bought into this personally as well, I don't mind saying this, that North auctioned off, well, not even auctioned off, sold off printable spaces on their ring canvas and, and apron oh, yeah, okay. and skirt. Yeah, well. Brilliant idea. Was t- t- £10 for, for, a, for a small logo, £20 for a large logo, and I ended up buying a couple of them myself for Grapple Arcade for North, and it was printed all around, you know, there was, they ended up, you know, printing about 30 different um, things, and it was different, and the beauty was with that as well, it wasn't just for companies, like like super fans who were really there could, could buy a spot, and do you, do you know what I mean? It's the equivalent yeah. of like a, a tip uh, on on YouTube for gamers, or this is you need to sort of tap into how gamers have done it. Gaming has obviously become the most successful online um, presence and and uh, monetary kind of concept going like in forever. <laughs> you know, when you've got a guy um, like Ninja, who's an online gamer, he's been signed to Twitch for the last couple of years as like an exclusive game for them. He just plays Fortnite. He's in his very early 20s. He plays Fortnite. Um, he on the, uh, the Masked Singer the other day. Well, I'm not sure, but his contract was about to come to an end mm. and it all came out in the wash. He's on 20 million a year. 
to play computer games. And in order <laughs> to stay with them for one more year, they've doubled his wage or offered wow. double. His. So that kind of stuff's going on. There's big money on being able to play things and do things online. If some of these wrestlers who are at some of these companies um, and the promoters can tap into what can we do that'll work where it's very interactive. It's not just us chucking a video of last week's event online. How do you make it more interactive? How do you do something where you do a lot more live-based stuff? Film it live and do an interaction, a chat box thing with your fans and stuff like that. Then it could be it could be worth looking into, definitely. Went off on a tangent there, but I think I think <laughs> generally speaking, yeah. there is opportunity mm-hmm. to do it. It's just not always necessarily um I don't know. They need they need to they need to think about it. They need to remodel the current way that they upload the content online for it to be financially worth doing. I know the Pablo's waiting for Gated Leisure Centre to reopen so we can go to the British Bulldog event. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's uh, due to come back, so um, yeah. I've, still got, I've still got my ticket uh, somewhere. So um, Once COVID's out the way, <laughs> you'll be straight down. If you don't think I'll be telling uh, me interview uh, guest this week that my man met her in a toilet once in 1994, you're sadly <laughs> mistaken. Yeah. I, I did tell... I, yeah, I did tell Georgia that, and uh, she was like, "Yeah, I remember." And she, she, basically, <laughs> like, she was like, "Shut up!" <laughs> I was like, "Yep, I've literally told everyone now." So, um, including the person whose daughter, you know. So, anyway, yeah. Yeah. What are you bringing me into it for? Becky, <laughs> <laughs> got any more thoughts on this subject for me, event? Yeah, well, I think with the box upside there again, I think it's all it comes to come down to money. Then you you really are banking on people to be loyal to said promotions really and i think i think it would have been it's, it was almost like a bit of a, almost like a, a harsh sort of argument it would have been perfect when we were in a thorough lockdown but then that defeats the whole public the whole uh, point of a thorough lockdown you can't <laughs> do, do wrestling sort of thing but obviously if people were stuck in their houses then it works to a t but with life getting normal then it's hard to bank on box office sales they are going to sell any sort of, uh, or they're going to hit like how many subscribers they'll need to break even or what have you. So yeah. it's a tough one. But um, no, going forward, as I said, I just hope all the safety checks are in place. But more importantly, the fans stick by promotions. I mean, um, I think that's what would be great. I mean, as soon as I can go again, I'll go and support whoever. Um, uh, I, also, just to see your friends there again as well. Um, but I think, I that's think just what fans are crucial. Yeah, I think fans are gagging to get back to shows because, I mean, like me, who, like like Mark says, you know, we kind of maybe took it for granted and I don't go out clubbing and stuff like that. Like, if I'm going to have a night out, it might be at a gig or it'll probably be at a wrestling show and you're going to yeah. be surrounded by people who, you know, are into the same thing. You know, you're going to, you make connections with people if someone's got the same shirt on as you, like a wrestler yeah, or something yeah, like that. It's brilliant. You know, especially if you're drunk. You know what I mean? You just say, "Ah, you like the clown t-shirt on team." Like, it happens all the time. You know. Um, so when, yeah, when, no, when our yeah. was little, we used to, we used to go to a playground, and he'd always run up to the first boy he found with a Ben Ten t-shirt, and that'll be his friend for the, <laughs> until that boy left, and then he'll go find another boy with a Ben Ten t-shirt on, and that'll be his friend. <laughs> He's so fickle, isn't he? He'll just make friends with anyone with it. <laughs> I'm the same though you know what I mean if like I saw someone with WF Pogs I'd be like yeah you're my friend until you run away and then I'll be like don't run away so, anyway. I hope with the same as support and promotions I hope the listeners will, will shun promotions who try and do shock value booking with uh, like accused talents and stuff just getting them on the show but 
know, and I think that's something that probably, I mean, they'll get called mm-hmm. out, but then you've got these one-hit wonder promotions that are probably up for doing that anyway, you know. They might yeah. run um, three or four, four or five shows a year, if that, and they'll run them in different cities. But yeah, you're right, there will be, the, uh, we're going to, although we are hopefully about to hit a, a quite nice, um, a better atmosphere of wrestling for wrestling promotions and the wrestlers involved and the fans, etc., etc. Hopefully, we are heading towards that for when things reopen. It sounds like we're in that heading in that that direction. But you're right. You're right. There's going to be complete shite hawks who are going to try and take advantage of the situation. I heard a, there was a there was a wrestling. I won't say the name on here, but there was a, a t-shirt company who make wrestling t-shirts who contacted me not very long ago and said, "Should we make a hashtag t-shirt about the movement?" Like not with me, just like them. They were asking me for feedback for some reason. I said, are you for real? Like, you're going to, you, you, you want to make a hashtag t-shirt. You're a company run by two blokes and you're going to cash in on a hashtag, on a hashtag movement in wrestling. I thought that was shocking. Like, I really did yeah. think that was absolutely shocking that I thought that they would say that. And I said, I think it's a ridiculous idea and, and terrible taste, to be very honest with you. Um, mm. So we have to be prepared that people will try and cash in on this kind of thing, one way, shape, form, and hopefully, yeah, we're, there's enough fans out there that will call them out. It's time for our first guest of the evening, so it's the Ultimate Diva Tonga. And I'm delighted to be joined on the line by the Ultimate Diva Tonga. How are you doing, Stephen Tonga? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm really good, yeah. Uh, it's a bit hot in this room. I don't know what's happening today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so a huge thanks for joining me this evening so how have you been surviving lockdown in the last couple of months how's it been to you um it's been all right i got disney plus so all i've done is just watch movies yes uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i've been filling my time pretty well uh it's been quite bad not being able to wrestle and all of that but i've i've kept myself procrastinated long enough <laughs> yes <laughs> Right, so uh, since your last show, we've had the whole Black Lives Matters speaking art movements. How do you think that rest is going to be different when it comes? Um, I think it's to me, it's in quite a raw state. Um, obviously the Black Lives Matter movement happened, and I think that got people like feeling quite vulnerable and like feeling like, oh, I should do more about that. Um, and I know Big T and. Uh, Roy Johnson were very vocal on that. They were doing Instagram lives. They were answering people's questions, yes. um, especially like concerning the wrestling industry. So I think people listened and they learned. And then we had the whole speaking out movement, um, which kind of was knocking people while they were already down about the whole Black Lives Matter um, situation. Um, so I think it's still quite a fragile and fresh wound, but I think it'll be all right because at the moment, all people can kind of do is train um yeah they probably won't be any shows so there's a lot of time to sort things out and i've really seen that quite a lot of companies um have really put things into place and the like the rest are already in talks or they're just trying to figure out the best practices um so i'm really hoping mm-hmm. that it will be a better place for everyone and a more comfortable place for everyone um and that any sort of negative people or any sort of behaviours that happened in the past, um, people will be more open and confident to speaking out about them and not feeling, um, I'm not sure I'm finishing that sentence, but not feeling um, <laughs> sort yeah. of nervous to talk about their experiences. Um, and I think another good thing that's happened is there's been quite a lot of talk about mental health within wrestling um, and 
being able yeah, to have sort of like an environment where people can be like, I feel down. Um, this is why I feel down and not feel judged is probably the best thing that could have come out of this. Yeah, it's been it's, oh, it's been an insane couple of weeks. So I've been going to shows regularly for about three years, and you can when when I started, the shows were majority white and male. But I can tell over the last three years, there has been this crop of black wrestlers coming through, and even either have no women's match at all, or it was a token women's match in the middle of the show, usually a multi women match. But now. Seeing women winning fumbles become number one contenders for the main title headline shows, and so I've come to the last eighteen months. It's just like, yeah, it's been it's been really good. I think um, representation is really important in wrestling. Um, yes, I think it's important like everywhere, but especially when you're because the majority of fans that believe it like to the core are the children. Um, so yes. to be able to represent um any sort of minority so any sort of ethnicity um sexuality gender um is extremely important so that the kids can see themselves um being represented in the ring um and feel confident in that way and it makes me happy when i see women main eventing shows where women would not really main event shows before or um it not being called the women's match or it not being the token women's match or yes. being one girl on a show and she's just a valet because they thought, oh, we have to cut a match for budget um, and the match that we cut was the women's match. Um, so I think it it is getting better and there's still a long way to go, but I'm glad to see that it's moving in the right direction. Yeah, because I, I, I think a wrestler, they usually have at least two women's matches and yeah, usually really an intergender match as well so yeah i don't really think there'll be any shows going on um i can't see anything happening this year to be honest yeah i'm not too sure but you guys can see me in 2021 um <laughs> <laughs> i still know you hopefully um yeah but until then you can see me virtually on oh god where am i on on twitter instagram and tiktok at it's tonga um yes and you can find my merchandise at tonga.bigcartel.com. Uh, huge thanks to Tonga for joining me. Um, you can hear our full interview at bbgwrestling.com. Uh, links will be in the description. So let's move across the pond. So what do you want to see when fans return to WWE? Nick, do you want to go first? Well, um, how long have we got? No, when Ivan actually watched Raw last... Um, um, I haven't watched Raw last night, so I can't go into too much um, detail because I know there was a few changes then. Um, but um, I think when when I think when it comes back, I want a thorough sort of almost almost like a fresh start. Which I think cert- I think one thing I'll do is certainly get the brand split completely confirmed. Not something they need to do a thorough draft, but even just like a little bit of a superstar shake up sort yes. of thing, um, and then having a clear sort of direction. So I'd certainly get the three brands sorted. I would bring back general managers. I think. So I think it's. I think it's kind of missed that. But I wouldn't necessarily have them sort of hogging up the show like they had with sort of Shane when Shane was running it. I think. Probably William, Regal. William Regal's is perfect. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. Someone who doesn't show up every now and then gets involved when they pretty much have it's like, to. It's like Tony back in the day. And he makes it, big decisions. So. It's just sound, isn't it? Like that, if anything like happens, like he just like when he comes out and just kicks off, like like he says, "This is not how we're doing it." But if um, 
Or just someone who can, yeah, someone that has respect that like people don't want to piss off that sort of way, uh, which I'm sure they can easily do. Um, and so again, they don't need to be involved in storylines after storyline. They literally just need to um, make matches <laughs> and uh, <laughs> sign off matches. Simple as that. Um, and as well, I think that will help. Though. If they can get like a legend, it gives them a bit of a pop. Like Angle, I think, would have been perfect. I don't really know why that didn't work out. So, I mean, they could have done that, used Angle better, I think, as a regal, because it's good enough for like a live crowd if you hear his music. Gets a bit of a pop, doesn't it? Um, mm. So, I think some anything like that, really. Um, so, I think that, first and foremost, get the structure in place, have clear writers for Raw and SmackDown and run NXTs. I think, and I don't, I'm not going to include NXT in this, but I think that's been the best promotion throughout this mess mm-hmm. I think they've been sound um, so I would um, yeah get the clear structure in place so you, you're clear and um, I would almost I'd almost like what I'd like to do is almost like a bit like they rewind the clock to 2016 when they first started afresh then mm-hmm. I thought that was fantastic and it just went off the boil so I'd almost I would almost rewind the clock to 2016 where they're it's almost a fresh start for everyone and they almost keep they actually keep a record of who who wins matches and what have you um, built up rivalries as well so like for instance Randy Orton Bray Wyatt was quite a good example of long term booking so I think long term booking could be a, a good um, a good thing I'd like to see going forward and also I think promos as well one thing I've missed so much is just having that crowd reaction to um, obviously just two promos as well when uh, I think like with Drew that's one thing with Drew's reign that it's really kind of suffered the fact that he hasn't yeah, if, you heard, if you heard the rumour that it's going to, he's going to lose it to Orton at SummerSlam and then win it back at the first show with fans so he gets the reaction he deserves I think that's perfect I called that last time didn't I I think well, I think I got it when he played Rhett Lashley but I think that's <laughs> great looking and I think this is on a separate side note I think this is the best Randy Orton's looked for some time I've really enjoyed not necessarily his matches with Edge, but I've really enjoyed this character, Randy Orton. It's the best Randy Orton character, isn't it, when he's just a nutcase, basically. It's yeah. nutcase legend killers is best. <laughs> 100%. When he's, a, when he's a psycho, it's even like a few years ago when he had the few with Jeff Hardy. I thought that was great. Uh, I don't want to think about a spot, though, when he's pulling his ear off. Oh. Um, God, my tummy's just full thing like that. But no, um, I think, um, yeah, 100% great decision. I'd have a. If, I think when they do come back, the first shows will be special. I'd have a few special moments for when they come back. And um, but I think going back to a very simple point, I'll end on: give the fans what they want. We saw it as well, and this is the thing: we were so close. Royal Rumble twenty twenty again couldn't have been perfect. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Elimination Chamber, fantastic. They were listening to the fans by, and I think it was almost like the fans were winning over, like with, with Tucker and. Otis, like with the, the reaction they were getting from audiences, yeah. listen to what your fans want and give them. Strike white irons hot with certain wrestlers that they've missed countless of times. So that's the thing I like to see. The most important things they do prioritise, I think, when fans are allowed back. Um, I've got nothing to add to that. <laughs> well, what I want, right, I'll pull this one out. What I want is. The moment it's kind of like announced that, right, it's going to be, let's just assume that this is all going to be over and done with for argument's sake by the end of the year, like we've been suggesting, you're booking for next year, okay? Yeah. So let's, let's, let's just keep that in mind for this next point. So if that's the case, what I want is all, everybody to say, yeah, it's going to, as of 2021, the start of 2021 is when it, we're going to be back to normal with things. So I want a month-long program 
of almost like America versus COVID, like the early 90s Gulf War style slaughter <laughs> yeah. versus Hogan kind of thing where we're going to beat you. It's going to once and for all, you know, fuck you, COVID kind of thing, like proper America, Team America, fuck yeah kind of crack. You know what I mean? I want mm-hmm. that leading up to um, basically a big middle finger to the virus by having a, a Royal Rumble where everybody's going to be obviously very close to each other. There's going to be a lot of people in the ring together. Um, I want as many of those participants as I want, <laughs> I want as many of those participants as possible to be mist spitters. So, you know, no masks and spit <laughs> mist each other. And I want there to be lumberjacks around the ring. I want there to be as many people as possible um, in the ring, around the ring, with people spitting mist. Uh, Followed by the national anthem. That's what a lumberjack Royal Rumble. With misfits. You get thrown over and start raving a baton. Fuck COVID, basically. Yeah, you, keep get from, you keep getting thrown back in, so that it's a never-ending <laughs> Royal Rumble. It's like a slinky that goes down like stairs, but in like a circle that just keeps going forever like, and ever. Is, like, is, it, is it a Van Gogh picture where it's a never-ending staircase? <laughs> is it, it Dali or Van Gogh? Is it Dali? The never-ending sort of staircase. It's like that. Yeah, you get chucked over the top rope, but there's always something to catch it or roll you back in. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen NFL on the AGC? you just spitting at you. Sorry? I say, has there been anything on the GCW shows you'd like WWE to incorporate? Or? I mean, they could have just done what GCW have done and completely avoid the idea that COVID exists. Um, GCW, in fairness to them, have done all of the events outdoor. Um, yeah. All of the chairs have been kind of like in twos. They've, they've, they've kind of stuck to it a bit, but then the wrestlers forget and they go out and start drinking out of fans' drinks. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. like, playing with, like, you know, high five and fans and things like that. Just walking by and stuff. <laughs> so it's, it's been interesting. I mean, yeah, you know, it is for each of their own. But the outdoor concept has really worked really well. It's been a fun, been fun crack. Um, they've been wrestling, like, sort of really, like, really nice parks with, like, big, like, water fountains behind them and shit like that. Wow. It's been crack, yeah. Um, it, it, you, when you see the, the hard cam around the ring, it like, all oh, right, there might be sort of 50 or 60 people there, but then all of a sudden it sort of sp- spins towards where the wrestlers are coming out of at this kind of little, um, sort of orangery at, at the top of the, at the top of the hill. <laughs> where the, and there's about fucking 400 fans like just scattered around for miles. Wow. <laughs> like it's, uh, it's been good crack, but, um, a couple of wrestlers have worn masks to wrestle in. Um, yeah. But apart from that, they've cracked on as normal, to be honest. Like, re- fans are meant to be sort of separated at ringside. They weren't really. Um, GCW did, it probably did everything they possibly could, to be fair. No, they wouldn't. Oh, they, come they've on, done everything. They, they, put, they put, like, um, chairs. They did space a lot of the sort. They put, like, two chairs together, a bit of a space before the next two. So they were kind of doing bits like that where they could. The the, the chairs were, weren't were very close to the ring. You know, they were probably a bit further away than you, they would normally be. Um, mm-hmm. commentary weren't around the ring, anything like that. Um, but then, yeah, some of the wrestlers were like high five and fans and stuff. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. What um, about, what about um, cinematic matches? We see them carrying on going forward. I know it's I your favorite subject. There's a space for them. It has to be oh, very, very is, Yeah, up me arse. That's where the space is. <laughs> Fit them all, fit them all, fit, fit the <laughs> fun house up me fucking ass. Um, sorry. 
Um, <laughs> that the nickname for your ass, the house. <laughs> <laughs> ah, um, anyway, on swiftly. Oh, anyway, yeah, but cinematic masses. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've said enough. <laughs> well, I think I'll, I'll say if this um, raw underground becomes a thing, I think that's where they could keep the cinematic stuff. But then they've shown they can do things like that without... Like, I don't mind cinematic stuff. Just acknowledge that <laughs> there is a camera crew there. That's all I'm saying. Like, with the Hollywood Battle Brawl, they acknowledge there were cameras, and with the Boiler Room Brawl and stuff like that. Like, just don't be putting music on in the background and all that kind of stuff, or have point-of-view shots and stuff. Like, <laughs> Oh, it just doesn't yeah. have a couple of... And look, I like old stuff where they did the, the cheat them, the one-eyed midget blowing up the boat and sting. You know what I mean? Like all that stuff in WCW. Mm-hmm. Like all the spin the wheel, make the deal. I know that that is also the most ridiculous stuff ever in the history of the world. Like it just, yeah. oh, <laughs> it just does me head in. Sorry, I'm just, you know. And if anyone has a problem with it, I'll have a cinematic fight with you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're talking shit, but I do think I think um, I think there's a I think there's a, a place for it. I do, and I think it depends how it's done. I think WWE. Oh god! I'll be honest. I think I think the the two main ones that they've done as of recent weren't bad for what they were. I just don't think that they need to be a regular feature, otherwise it'll be shit. It's as simple yeah, as that. I, I, think, say, I think there's a space for it. But has the the cinematic match at the moment. So every pay-per-view seems to have one but it doesn't fit in they become less special as they get well yeah they'll on. be shit they'll be absolutely crap you don't need them like that you just as they, the, oh. the first couple were alright the first if you, if you leave them as a special attraction once in a blue moon based on mm-hmm. not just not just to have one but very specific because of the circumstances that are involved there like because of what it is what the situation it doesn't even have to be cinematic just be clever like it could be at a Fucking the Booker T Austin fight in the supermarket that wasn't cinematic, but it used the same premise. No. You know what I mean? It, That's it, what it, I mean. Yeah. Though they acknowledged there was a camera there, and yeah. it was it was it was you know it wasn't out of the realms of logical you know feasibility, and you know it was a fight in the supermarket where there happened to be a camera there, and it was daft. And I'm not saying you can't have that kind of thing, you know. Like, but I just think these cinematic matches where it it steps outside of the boundaries of logical feasibility of what wrestling is. Oh, it's how just weird. Like logical feasibility with wrestling. How weird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, every second yeah, you see backstage in an interview, whether it's somebody running into somebody or an argument or something like that, they're all pretending that there's no camera. Like Tajiri and Regal speaking backstage and Raw, not one of them ever acknowledging that there's a camera there, ever. You know and what I mean? Those... Okay, but... The people who are acknowledging the camera are like the commentators and the audience. Like they are probably, if it was really real, like you could say that they are used to having cameras follow them around. You know what I mean? That it would make sense that there would happen to be a camera in there and stuff like that. But like, I I get where you come from. I get where you come from in that respect. I think if they did certain matches, like I'll use a perfect example here, right? The Boiler Room Brawl, right? Perfect Mm -hmm. example of something. That in 2020 or 2021 or whatever, where 90% of that match could be as is the boiler room brawl, but it, it might, you know, you could have some special effects going on there just to kind of emphasize certain elements of it that could work really bloody well. Like, you know what I mean? 
Like it doesn't have to be an all out, as you say, uh, 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 something which is 100%. It's been shot like a film where nobody thinks there's a camera for, for that 10 minutes of a match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, it could be, it's a wrestling match in a very specific area for a very specific reason, doing a very specific kind of, you know, rules and regulations of that match. But then, like, giving it a little, a little sort of sprinkle of, of the cinematic concepts to, to bring it into the modern era. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I but know what you mean. Do you, what, do you, what do you mean by cinematic concepts, though? Just just in terms of the way that the, the uh, utilise camera angles and the way that they might utilise special effects, really, I suppose. Uh, if you throw somebody into something that, like, that looks like... Um, you know, basically, um, what what they got wrong when Abdullah was um, was uh, electrocuted in the ring. If, had, <laughs> if you could do that now, but with really good special effects, it could look pretty ace. But I mean, it just depends on how it's done and what it's for. If you're gonna have, um, if you're gonna be in in a room that's full of engines and bloody oh, pipes, yeah. thing, then and use that to the advantage of what it is to associate it a bit, like make it stand out and. You know, like we've of all seen they... where where fireworks and pyro doesn't work because it looks because because somebody can't strike a match properly in a ring. Hogan well, and the, yeah. the fiery paper, you know what I mean. So utilize it a it bit. Perfect when you your hands are dry, but when you've been wrestling for twenty minutes, your sweaty hands. <laughs> exactly. So why not utilize that concept and make it look like you know if you haven't got a, a crowd there, then if you want to do some trippy Papashango shit. Uh, using special effects, then that's your perfect opportunity to. But in a boiler room, though, like what in a boiler room, like explosion. And shit, I don't done. know. You're in a boiler room. Smoke. When Undertaker um, faced mankind, Undertaker spun the the hatch thing that let out the steam, and that went in mankind's face. That was brilliantly done. That is ah, using the boiler room to your advantage. <laughs> like, so, yeah. But so, well, that's great. But I don't know if everybody's going to want to have the face burnt, especially going into twenty twenty one following hey, health. You can, pull you can pull someone's eye out now, so I don't think there's any. <laughs> reason, to be fair, so no. Um, sorry, the cinematic thing just. Oh, I could go on. But I <laughs> another, another, another great thing I think WWE done. I think they've had a great focus on the women's division. The Bailey and Sasha and Oscar and now Shayna Baszler's moved into it. So I'd, I'd like that to continue. That they've been main events in most of the shows. But yeah, they've I think been Oscar's really, they've the star, been star. Worthy elements. They've been great addition. Like not even additions. What I'm talking about. They've been their their wrestling has been a great addition to what otherwise they might not have had the same opportunities to pre the I lockdown. Got, they, haven't got, they haven't got Becky or Charlotte. But... Yeah. Both house moments. So I think they're amazing. So I just need to kind of. I think they're trying to bring like Naomi and um, Lacey Evans kind of up there as well. But... The the biggest thing that I, I will never be able to um like get over is when like it's very obvious you know these days especially that wrestlers they train and train and train and train and train for their intro. So they get their intro that they want. You know, you see it on some of these behind the scenes things where they're practicing their intro, they're practicing their intro. They do, you know what I mean? They, they try and nail mm-hmm. it. So, uh, to the point now where it's almost ingrained into them, it's almost like a habit. It's where they they have to have each individual. You know, they have to look at exactly the right angle. They have to do this. They have to do that. They have to touch the floor before they wipe the forehead. All that kind of stuff that they do. Mm-hmm. That's great when there's a live crowd because they practice for that. But it's so fucking obvious how bad it looks 
when they do exactly the same thing and they're looking for a crowd reaction when there's no crowd there. It just looks <laughs> insane. It still looks ridiculous. Like, you know, it's almost do the whole Hogan. The whole Hogan trying to do his hand to ear pose in a non crowd environment. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's that's how a lot of it feels when you see some of them climb up the top ropes and look for fan approval with their arms in the air. And it's like well, there's no crowd. All there. they have to do, all they have to do, is just look at the camera, like yeah. just yeah. make some Give kind it a of nod. connection with. Subtle nod. All right. The, <laughs> you know I mean? Not even, not even subtle. Like AEW and Impact have done a much better job of acknowledging the audience at home. Yeah. Um, they that, connect the through the that camera and. That's how it should, that's how it always was until, to be fair, probably WWF, WWE, during the Attitude Era, kind of changed the format of ignoring the fourth wall to the point where, like, you just can't make a connection with a wrestler anymore. When Cena at the top of the ramp said some, says something to the camera before running to the ring, like, that's just a little thing to connect with his fans mm-hmm. at home. And I think they have to realize that they're trying to entertain the audience at home. The ratings that they're trying to get, instead of just the audience in the arena who are going to cheer and boo anyway, I think just they need to. This is probably why people aren't tuning in as well. Like you know, the other sports even know to just acknowledge that there are cameras and mm-hmm. even play up to them and stuff like that. It shouldn't just be about playing up to the audience in the arena if it's a TV show. Like sure, in my wrestlers. Wrestlers coming out and then just stood there for two minutes read, reading off all the names in the Patreon list. <laughs> <laughs> That's what indie wrestlers should do. Come out. John Smith, Peter Baggins, Peter Beardsley, and go through all the lists. You know what I mean? And um, that's where they can make the money from anyway, going back to that last question. But yes, um, well and truly, fun times. All right, so it's time for our second guest of the evening. It's with David Grant. And the lights be joined on the line by the dark fruit daddy david grant how you doing this evening david i'm all right thank you how are you i'm very good thank you good. yeah huge thanks for joining me this evening so um, how have you been surviving lockdown uh eating a lot of sweets working out watching a lot of cartoons and tv and playing a lot of computer games unfortunately no gyms no wrestling it's hard so i'm guessing having this all this time has been good for your body and you've been able to evaluate what's worked what hasn't got worked so well in the last year and you can make like little character tweaks for when you're returning. Yeah, yeah, it has been. Um there's it's been, it's been a lot of time reflecting on where I want to take it. Because, mm-hmm. like I, when you're around people like Hustle Malone, um Charles Crowley character yes, is very important. Their you know, video their video work over the this last few months has been online has been amazing. Unfair. It's not fair to the rest of us, honestly. <laughs> Um, yeah, so like, and like, it really stirs things up. So like, constantly thinking about evolution, how I can take things in it, like, not repackage myself, but the next step, because I don't want to be, I've always said from like day one, I don't want to be one dimensional. No. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want people to think that this is it, like this is the finished product. It's not, it's constantly evolving. It's, it's taking on new stuff from like so from, from seminars I do, from training sessions, from TV shows I watch, from films I watch, music, everything. Like it's constantly changing. But um, my music taste it changes every week, day. Like I'll listen to something different. I'm not going to listen to the same songs over and over and over. Yeah. You know, I need to find new stuff to keep myself interested, to keep people interested in the in what I'm doing. Um, 
so yeah, there's there's been a lot of time to think about what's next, really. So <clears throat> so you're gonna take take a character like a down a more serious route or more often than not people want me as heel. Yeah. I think I've only wrestled once as face. No, three times. Three times as face. Um one for a, a actual promotion, another two were party gigs. Um yes. that's that's a plug as well if, if people can hire wrestlers for parties in case nobody knows that. Um yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. We um yeah I've done, yeah, once as face. So more often than not people want want me as a heel, they'd see me. Um, big lad. Um got tattoos, facial hair, so they instantly think bad guy usually more often than not um when we do party gigs and stuff and it's like kids like yeah have to try really hard to make them realize that you're not scary <laughs> um it takes a while especially with like fans as well like uh getting things signed uh i'll be sitting there like got a gold sharpie in my hand could couldn't look any less intimidating <laughs> and still some some people are just like is it okay if you sign this and i'm like yeah of course mate yeah no worries like <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah. So, so uh, during lockdown, we've had no live events, but we've had the like Black Lives Matters and the speaking out movements. So, how different do you see Brit Rest being when everything returns to normal? I so I've, I've um I've been in contact with a lot of um my friends who are people of color within the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the major ones has been um, Morgan Black. Yes. Uh, like so, like I know. Uh, Morgan from when I started he was at my first training session um he lives in the same town as me like a little bit of insider info we live in the same place um we have a lot of dialogue um we attended uh Black Lives Matter protesting town that I live yeah. in um must disclaimer social distancing was kept um everybody's wearing face masks um people were handing out hand sanitizer really like a good feeling it was a really like positive feeling felt powerful and everything like that yeah um the way i see it impacting the scene um i think for new people coming into the scene there won't be some of that uh what why is this accepted why are people so um forgiving with these things because they shouldn't be yeah um but i i I do know of instances where people have been using racist language that's not i don't know it's it's all how do I put it? It obviously is malicious because of the terminology used, but maybe not the intent was malicious. Yeah, um, so that they they're trying to make <clears> it a joke, and maybe like, I'm not excusing it at all because there's no excuse for it. But they're not seeing it as severe as it actually is. I think now people will be more aware of what they're saying, which can only be better. I also think more promotions will look at people of color and think that they're not they're not um they're not just fitting one demographic like cause i know in certain instances that uh, there have been people from different backgrounds who have been looked at as one type of character um yeah. i think going forward they won't be they'll hopefully be seen as wrestlers like really good wrestlers as well like some of my favorite wrestlers in this country are people from different backgrounds to myself um so yeah i, I think going forward like with everything that's gone on, hopefully it it doesn't just die down and become a trend. I want it to be more. Um, I think more representation will definitely be one thing. Um, I think in the locker rooms and that, and with fans, people won't be afraid to call out toxic behaviour. Yeah. Um, 
and also I think people who want to enter wrestling or who are in wrestling who are from a different ethnic background won't be labelled as you're this character, you're that character. I think they'll be able to find themselves um, and find something a bit more healthy than being pigeonholed as your X, Y, and Z. You can't be something else. You can't be yourself, so to speak. I have to admit that most of the shows I go to locally are majority white and male, but there is a great crop of black wrestlers coming through, like Warren Banks and the OJMO, Manly Therese, T Justice, Imari, Tonga, Shakara, Mercedes, Blaze, uh, Rio, or just a couple off the top of my head. Yeah. It's It's crazy. Um, So, like, where I wrestled down in Leighton Buzzard Sacrifice Pro, we have such a high representation of uh, people from multiple backgrounds, multiple Mm -hmm. genders. We're quite big on intergender wrestling as well. Um, Yeah. And I think, like, we're quite a healthy locker room um, because it's run by wrestlers for wrestlers. It's a safe haven quite a lot of the time. Um, so I think, like, the wrestlers that I've been around that are from different ethnic backgrounds, um, they've, they've just been incredible. And it's mm-hmm. not even that they're incredible people or they're not, inc- they're not, it's not that they're incredible wrestlers who are from a different ethnic background. They're just incredible wrestlers. Uh, the same with like the females as well. They're not women wrestlers. They're wrestlers. They're amazing wrestlers. So yeah. I think, the- yeah. The women's scenes come on so much since I started going to shows. Like when I started going to shows, that either have no women's match at all, or it'd usually be a quick multi-woman match in the middle of the show with no little or no storyline to it. But now, yeah. the last eighteen months, um, Alexis Falcon won the Ireland Rumble, wasn't that the number one contender for the Ireland Championship? Um, I've seen women's title matches headline shows. I've seen the challenger in the, the main titles of shows and being in number one contenders matches. It's, it's amazing women, what's happened in the last 18, 18 months. Women contesting the biggest match in the biggest show in the whole mm. world. Like, yeah, that that's it. Like that that tells you everything about how far the scenes come. Like, just the, not even the British scene, the whole world. It it's it's great. Yeah, so um, my my local promotions like Wrestle Island, and I think they've done three rumbles. The first rumble had one woman in it. The second had two, and I think this year they had six or seven. Out of the 30 yeah. people were women. So it's, yeah, I think, and, like, so you have Jade up there quite a lot, yeah? Yes, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Jade's one of the women that wrestles, um, like, Sacrifice. We also have uh, Mia Cortez, Evie Rose, uh, Eden Von England, mm-hmm. uh, Bobby Tyler, um, like, all of them, like, great wrestlers. All of them as well. Yeah. Be the shout out of any man on any card. Yeah. So, yeah. It's it's not even like you can put them with any any male and they'd hold their own and that's you know they're not they're not like the early two thousand diva thing it's not eye candy it's they are professional wrestlers and yeah some of them terrifying yeah <laughs> we can talk about the the diva thing there's there's the rumor going around that Vince doesn't like Shayna Baszler because she isn't the typical. 25, long legs, big boobs, blonde. Yeah. But, like, they they say that, but then, like, she's terrifying. Like, she she would eat you alive. Like, yeah. Like, I kind of liked when they'll tease and they're going into the 24-7 title scene, even though it's well below her. 
but which would have been yeah. interesting just to see here in with like Tazawa and our truth and guys like that. Just... Yeah, what I'd like is them to like throw some of the women into the uh, cruiserweight because you know it's, it's just weight classification, so it doesn't matter gender. Yeah, when when they, after they did the first one, I was predicting when they did the second one that if they did the second one that Charlotte would have been in it and she would have got really far. That was yeah. my prediction for like 2017, I think it was. But, Which, there's some great uh, female cruiserweight wrestlers, or high flyer wrestlers, sorry, as well. Yeah. So it would make so much sense. And like, when they did the mixed match challenge, that was awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that was like, that, that was kind of teasing it. Mm-hmm. So it was like, yeah, we're going to give you something kind of intergender, and then, nope, no more, gone. But like, Please. you can imagine, like, Shayna Baszler just beating up our truth like that's not even a question. Like yeah. she'd have him. Yeah. Well, you just saw the pop that Ronda Rousey got when she was battering Triple H at WrestleMania a couple of years ago. Just, yeah. She got a couple of punches in on her, and the crowd just blew up. <laughs> it's just like... They put Nia Jax in there in the Rumble at that time as well. Is it Nia Jax? Nia Jax was not in this year's Rumble. She's in last year's. No. Rumble. She in the men's one though, wasn't she? Yes. She took out our truth at number thirty. Yeah. So like. I don't know. They keep teasing it. Like they should d- definitely do it. They should, well, they, they booked it. If the show wasn't in for that long, they booked it really strong. So I think big three men had to do the finishes on it just to get her out of the ring, even though she was only in for a couple of minutes. Yeah. Well, it puts her. Uh, it puts her over as a monster. Mm. And then, like, you just don't have a face someone like Braun or Big Show. Like, you just don't. You just protect her size. I really yeah. enjoy speaking today. I'd love to have you on again in the future. <laughs> yeah. I thought I'd just talk shit. Um, huge thanks to David for joining us again. Um, again, you can hear the full, the full interview on bbgwrestling.com. Links in the description. So it's time for the BBG Big Debate. Bit of a move away from like, the topic we've been discussing. <laughs> so, yeah. so the rumors <laughs> of um, <laughs> Was that thing before, not the debate about <laughs> cinematic <laughs> matches? All right, okay. All right. So this week there's been rumors of SummerSlam might be held at sea. So I thought we could debate. <laughs> Brilliant! Um, oh, okay. The best ocean ship boat themed gimmick wrestler of all time. <laughs> so, what, what, what are your thoughts of SummerSlam being held? See, be yeah, held on the boat, like the similar to the Jarra cruise. I really yeah, hope that um, Vince McMahon dresses up as, as um, King Triton and um, <laughs> dresses up as Ariel, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's oh. is um, is the baddie? What do you call her again? Ursula, or whatever you call it, yeah. That's what I hope. And I hope it's cinematic, for obvious reasons. Sorry, Nicky, I meant to get some of the They should have put it on like a prison ship. I think that would be pleasant. Were you meant to be at somewhere, Nick? Yeah, I had two weeks. I was supposed to be out here on. I was supposed to find out next Friday. So uh, we, we were supposed to be driving here from, Boston, uh, from Chicago to Boston um, for like yeah, two weeks out in the States. So we're going to stop at like a few places on the way, like um, Cleveland, um, uh, Indianapolis, um, yeah, a few places. Um, so I was pretty gutted. Syracuse. Um, but yeah, it's not to be, sadly. Um, so pretty gutted. But. Um, as I say, um, yeah, it, as I say, it's just one of those things. Would you enjoy things. going on a boat to watch some? <laughs> um, 
when you've got a ton of crews? I don't think so, no. <laughs> it would have been quite the same. It would have been experience, but yeah, it's not quite the same. So, uh, Nick, you're first on the debate. So sorry. No, no, go for it. Um, no, so, yeah, your best ocean ship boat gimmick wrestler. <laughs> well, I'm struggling to think of a gimmick, but so I went for, um, um, I've gone for the Paul Virtual Pirate gimmick. Um, yes. Just based on the fact that it was kind of when I was, I'm trying to think what year it was. I think it was on the 90s. Like yeah, it was when I was kind of falling like, out of love with wrestling sort of thing. Um, and what's better to entice you back in than someone dressing up as a pirate? <laughs> I think it was more William Regal was a bit of a legend throughout this as well, with them two going together. But yeah. His segments are always pretty funny. Entrance is pretty cool. Um, and, yeah, I think the gimmick should have gone a bit longer. Uh, but yeah, Do you know why, reportedly, him, the gimmick was Vin- scrapped? Sorry. Vin- when Vince said yes to it, he, he was thinking, kill a pirate, not Jack Sparrow, when he agreed to it. He's never seen Pirates of the Caribbean. So that like, was it, yeah. Weird. <laughs> Why is he acting like a weird, like, bad Johnny but, Depp impression? <laughs> he, ha- he hadn't heard of Pirates of the Caribbean, but he had mm-hmm. heard of Incest when he put him with Katie Lee Birchall. So <laughs> I, I think that speaks to Vince's uh, interests, generally. So. <laughs> Uh, Mark, you're next. Well, yeah, I've uh, I've gone for uh, our old our old boy, uh, well, currently known as PCO, yeah, um, Carl Auler, or well, Jean Pierre Lafitte, to be um, exact. Um, funnily enough, did you know that um, the whole concept of Jean Pierre Lafitte was the fact that it was based on a real life pirate called Jean Lafitte back in the day. Yes, so it's based on a real character called Jean Lafitte. Uh, interesting as well. He used to wear an eye patch over his right eye, which he legit lost when he was a kid um, for pissing around with pellet guns with his mates. He got shot oh. in the eye and lost his sight when he was 12. Um, probably do with some kind of pillaging, I guess, being a pirate. <laughs> um, and as we know, he debuted in what, 1995 now? 1995 and had that more than anything, the iconic sort of um, back and forth with Bret Hart where he was, you know, being a typical pirate, bit of pillaging, a bit of nicking things, nicking his hitman shades in his leather jacket. <laughs> it was great, man. Recently, somebody said to me, like, I didn't really get the gimmick until recently where he was. I went back and watched it and he was stealing things. And I didn't realise <laughs> that he was actually a pirate. Like, I didn't, I didn't put the two together. <laughs> I'm like... What? You just thought he was Nick and stuff and dressed like a pirate, but you didn't really gather that that was why. <laughs> mm. Yeah, he was Nick and stuff because he was a pirate. Um, but yeah, really interesting crack. Really enjoyed that character a lot. I thought it was hilarious and I thought it was really interesting. What I love about it more than anything as well is if you look at it from the perspective of now, where he started off as a Quebecer, then kicked his tag team partners at him before sending him on his way. Then come back a little bit later as a pirate, and now he's mm-hmm. half beast man, stroke cyborg, stroke ultimate fighting machine guy. Yes. Like I just love how he just reinvents himself for the crack. Um, yeah, and it's always really interesting. I just think he's really underrated. Interestingly, as well, his feud in the match that he had with Brett was bloody good. If you go back and watch it in your house match, yeah. it's friggin' great. It's like it's a really good match. It's probably it's the best match on the card, realistically, um, as far as I'm concerned. And I think even Brett commented how much he really enjoyed that match and how much he thought that um, 
Jean-Pierre Lafitte was a, like how good Carl is as a wrestler and that he it really worked well together, really, really yeah. bounced off each other really well. And unfortunately, like many a man, um, his time came to an end after a feud with the with the clique in real life, like a real life backstage feud where um, they were wrestling up in Canada and the idea was that he was going to go over Diesel. Mm-hmm. Um, he fought for that because they, they were fighting in Quebec and the idea was it was to create a bit of garner, a bit of interest in the crowd up there again. And they were going to go back up to Quebec and they'd, they'd, they'd do the Passover again. But the idea was that he was going to go over um, Diesel clean and everybody was all right with that apparently until Sean decided, no, that's not how it's going to work like and uh, wanted Diesel to go over clean. Obviously him and Nash had had a bit of a chat about it. So then they decided, all right, then Diesel's going to go over clean. And, and it ended up being a double count out on the back of it, yeah. So they were like, neither were going to go for it. <laughs> it a double count out in the end. And that led to, to a bit of a feud with, with the click in real life and the politician backstage to the fact where he left. And that was that. Done. So he got on his boat, being a pirate, <laughs> and headed over to WCW to become an, uh, well, another Quebecer. <laughs> <laughs> What was he called? Was he the Amazing French Canadians you ended up becoming? The Amazing French Canadians. One of the biggest downgrades in a name I think (laughs) I've ever seen for a tag team. I think it's incredible. It was quite quite ironic as well when you talk about his feud with the click because he was meant to be on the million dollar team at Survivor Series 95 and he was replaced with a newly heel one, two, three kid. Um, Yeah, so that that was around that time. Um... And it was kind of weird as well. Did you ever see the vignettes for Jean-Pierre Lafitte? He actually referenced that he was Pierre uh, from the Quebecers and that he had like, found his pirate roots and, you know. <laughs> I, I, do, I do remember of the fact that he was saying that he's found his pirate roots. I didn't realise he referenced to the fact he was in the Quebecers. But I appreciate your input here because it's really helping me with the idea that I might win this debate this week. So. <laughs> well, you picked it. mine, you bastard. So, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Pablo, who are you going for? Oh, sorry. Well, I was thinking, well, you're going to go. I, was, I've, I've wrote Tugboat in my, li- in my notes because I assume you'll go Tugboat for you. Tugjob, as I call him. He's a good lad. He's a good lad, old friend. Um, no, you know what? Um, I assumed that someone else would have taken Tugboat. Um, so I was, I was thinking about it and. Mark said that not only could you choose wrestlers, because I was going to go for Shark. Like, you know, that that seems like, you know, he, he's the greatest man fish to have ever wrestled. You know, Sh- Shark Boy <laughs> is a, you know, oh, Shark Boy's a, bad. Well, there you go. He's, obvi- he's the best <laughs> man fish to have ever been, also Steve Austin for a period. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm actually going to go with, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna slightly bend the rules here, cause Mark <laughs> said that I could. And if, if, if I've done it, then, you know, blame him. Uh, but I'm gonna go with USS Intrepid. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, July, July the 4th, 1993, when Yokozuna had freshly become WWF champion. He had beaten the American hero Hulk Hogan and threw down the challenge to America that any sports star in any athletic field could body slam Yokozuna and win a brand new Chevrolet pickup truck and <laughs> he was going to embarrass America and jockeys 
football players, basketball players, wrestlers, all failed. And then out of nowhere, a helicopter would arrive on board the Intrepid. And everyone thought it was going to be Hulk Hogan making his return. And nay, Yokozuna <laughs> and Mr. Fuji were both dismayed to see that their mate, Lex Luger, would get out of the air, out of the airplane, out of the helicopter with a red, white, and blue T-shirt, and would thus commence throwing various <laughs> racist insults at Yokozuna, who had been stood there for an hour trying to be body slammed by various sports stars, but it turned into a one-hour-long gooch tickling competition because that's all these sports stars were able to do. They were not able to get Yokozuna's feet off the floor. You couldn't even slide a piece of paper under Yokozuna's feet. They the were all is- failures that day. I'm telling you a story here. Go on. I don't know. <laughs> Lex Luger gets in the ring. He shoves Bobby Heenan out of the way. He gets in the ring on the USS Intrepid. The warship that fought for the freedom of America, probably, <laughs> probably not. And <laughs> the, the warship that Sean Mooney hosted Battle of the Superstars in 1992, <laughs> the most boring WWE of all time. But it doesn't matter because on that glorious day on July the 4th, 1993, Lex Luger would fulfill a destiny and would body slam Yokozuna after hitting him <laughs> with the six inch steel plate in the forearm and he would be celebrated, carried aloft by the likes of the Steiner brothers and Tatanka. Other great American heroes, and Lex Luger <laughs> would then go on to commence his call to action campaign to have a one-time title shot against Yokozuna. And mm-hmm. as far as I'm aware, it turned out brilliantly for him uh, because there were balloons and everything else. And yes, uh, yeah, so I'm definitely go- one of the go- I'm going to go with <laughs> if 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 a vehicle belonged in the WWE Hall of Fame and I think they should open that wing. Uh I think your first I think your first inductee would be the USS Intrepid. It, it is fought through wars, goddammit. It is been the site of many historic American landmark events and its peak was July the fourth, nineteen ninety three, where Lex Luger became not just our hero, not just wrestling's hero but America's hero whilst we love your passion uh, there's a one minute time limit so just edit that bit out Chris like, <laughs> <laughs> nine seconds um, oh my god oh, okay that's okay. brilliant if I have one little tidbit very 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 quickly because I appreciate uh, where we are time wise how much that, I loved that day in 1993 yeah anyway sorry. it's um, it's it's about the fact that the boat the, the, the heat the, hot, the heat the sun was so hot that the ring um, the, 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 the ring canvas was burning, like really burning to the point where they had to get Yokozuna some flip-flops to keep putting on in between his body slam attempts because it was burning the soles of his feet. Yeah, I've heard that. And, <laughs> and I just think that that's incredible. Like, the boat itself nearly capsized Yokozuna. Like, <laughs> the boat it, itself it is nearly the greatest day. Yokozuna. <laughs> the it is the greatest day in wrestling history. I will fight Anyone over that fact. So, I'd love it if we had a vote now. We all said that no, sorry, you can't have that. It's not a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, well, you've double crossed me then because you said yeah. that it could be chosen. It won't be. I never bloody win. 
Because, like, yeah. you know... Um, all these <laughs> You're a weirdo who things. picks boats, for example. Tugboat's <laughs> a boat. He's a man boat. He's, well. you know... All these kids <laughs> listening to TV who, you know, they know modern wrestling, but the, with the bouncy balls and the MTV and the and the shoes that match, you know what I mean? Like, watch watch the Lex Luger Body Slam Challenge on the network. It'll change your life. Anyway. <laughs> I can't believe we're giving you a full day for your podcast. Anyway. <laughs> Chris. Chris, over, over to you. Alright, so uh, I'm going to go with one of the early pioneers of the X Division, this uh, Shark Boy. So, yes. while Shark Boy was mostly a comedy wrestler within the promotion, he did have plenty of memorable moments, mainly his notable stints in 2008, leave Trey Stone called Steve Austin. Um, the storyline reason was he um, got a concussion and underwent a personality change. <laughs> so. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Despite never winning the X Division title, he did have lots of great matches with lots of Mojo, AJ Styles, and uh, Christopher Daniels, and arguably one of the best personalities of the early era of TNA Impact. So. <laughs> do, you th- do you think Sharkboy ended up in like someone's sandwich? With a bit of tartar <laughs> sauce, you know? Kind of like how Mantor ended up on like Henry Godwin's farm and then got made into burgers. Like I, I-, I bought Joel the figure of but he can't use it because he's like an f- inch taller than like the Undertaker. <laughs> like, so it just has it sitting on a sh- shelf, and I was like, "Oh." That was the one problem with the TNA figures of that line. They were always very giants. Yeah, well, I, I got it from the other Pitt and, Brown put, Pitt and Brown put a bit of fur in and pretend he's a giant Gonzalez. Giant gun shark boy. <laughs> right, so there's our choices. So it's John Pierre Lafitte. Paul Birchill, Shark Boy, and the USS Intrepid. <laughs> so, fucking hell. <laughs> you said down. I could choose it. You said I could choose it. I didn't know you were going to write the double... fucking documentary about it, though. <laughs> read it on the show. Jesus. Every Christ. every year on the Turnchuckle Instagram on July the 4th, I make that post. Because um, I have all the merchandise from that day. And uh, I'm still trying to get Todd Pettingill to do a watch along, and he hasn't quite replied to me yet. <laughs> Uh, so, so Wednesday lunchtime, I'll put a poll up on BBG Wrestling's Twitter. Um, yeah, the winner gets to be pick next week's debate. So, Pablo, you teased it before. What interviews do you have coming up? Well, um, for Hands Off the Merchandise, I will be. Uh, there is an interview in the can with Ross Owen Williams. Now, he has in, he has written books with sorry uh, with Hornswoggle, Al Snow. And Hardcore Holly, and they are great books, and uh, we we talk a lot about that, but we also go into a lot of 1993 booking, could you imagine? <laughs> a, a, a ridiculous concept. Um, so, um, yes, yeah, so Russell Williams, and uh, the two um, guests that I'm, I'm thrilled with uh, for Turnchuckle, I will be interviewing uh, Diana Hart-Smith, um, which is, it's a very rare interview. She doesn't do many of these. And, no. um, you know, this has been, uh, with thanks to Georgia and really with thanks to Phil Love of Wrestling as well, who, you know, are going to have Georgia with all of her dad's gear at Phil Love of Wrestling, which is now going to be May the 15th and 16th in Liverpool 2021. Uh, so yeah, lots of, uh, I, I can't wait to interview Diana. Uh, you know, it's, it's, she seems lovely from uh, you know everything that uh, all the contact that we've made with each other, and she's uh, just open and honest, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with that. And also, uh, as announced today, uh, Joanne Randalls. Now she is the 
uh, director and producer of the brand new Adrian Street story, uh, oh. which is out now available on Google Play, Prime Video, and uh, other platforms coming soon. Uh, it's called You May Be Pretty, But I Am Beautiful, the Adrian Street story. And I cannot wait to chat for an hour about Adrian Street. So, yeah, coming soon. That sounds amazing. Yeah, See, I'm not all just—I'm not all just 1993 <laughs> folks. You know what I mean? So yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want to promote Mark? Yeah, we just quickly mentioned. Obviously, we've been doing a, a few bits recently. We mentioned them quite at the beginning there as well. That myself and Pablo are going to be doing quite a lot of extensive research and work in preparation for our upcoming series, uh, Core Video 1990. Um, Really looking forward to that one, starting with Smack and Whackham and working through there. But we want to make it this one interactive and something that we want to do going forward. We've touched a lot on today about how do you make it interactive for your listeners and viewers and things like that. We want people to start getting in touch and telling us what they want us to view. So we thought we'd start off by doing that concept maybe with the Coliseum Home Video Library. There's tons and tons and tons of Coliseum videos out there. So what we'd like listeners to do, if they're up for it, is to have a look for their favourite one or have a look for one that they maybe haven't seen before themselves um, and tell us tell us that that's what they want us to cover and we will definitely do that. We're not going to do it in, in a timeline order or anything like that. We're going to start off by doing our first one, which is Smack and Whackham, then moving on to Invasion of the Body Slammers, which was suggested to us by a fan, as Pablo pointed out earlier on, by a listener, pointed out that they would like us to cover that, which we definitely will, and that'll set the ball rolling with things to come. So that's going to be great. Um, I'm also, obviously, at the moment, doing a lot of a lot of work um, with the, the reviewing of and the watching of, so far, GCW content on Fight. So that's going to be the main focus for the time being with Grapple Arcade. Typically, as you'd expect, we don't have any live events at the moment. Boo. But mm. all, for, all for legitimate <laughs> reasons, as I'm sure you understand. Um, we were going to be preparing, as we've said before, for, for the love of wrestling, which had been postponed from April until the end of October, beginning of November weekend. Unfortunately, it's been announced that that is now being postponed until next May, I believe it is. Um, 15th and 16th. Yeah. 15th and 16th of May of 2021 is the current <clears throat> rescheduled date. Wrestlers have started agreeing to that change of date because, as you'd expect, there's going to be maybe some differences of people who can and can't make it. Fairly confident that at least 90% of those announced for the November show will be able to make the May show. Uh, also make other wrestlers available who are no longer going to be available as well. So names have started to confirm that they can turn. So it's almost like a, a, a reconfirmation of bookings for people who are going to be turning up there. So go and check that out on Facebook at For the Love of Wrestling for details about that. Um, but apart from that, um, I'm just going to be eating crisps. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say with uh, COVID, uh, the COVID video show, um, it makes sense that we are just going to do the Coliseum videos, not the pay-per-views. Um, because, you know, the Coliseum videos is where all the fun stuff is. Uh, but <laughs> all I'm going to say is we have them all. So you can uh, pick which one you like, uh, including the Sunny video. Good Lord. Um, so, you know, we will, be, we, will be, we will be prostitutes for our art. And we will do whatever you tell us to do. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Nick, do you want to mention that you went to WrestleMania? You haven't done that today. Uh, I went to WrestleMania 34. Not mentioned it on the show yet. 
It's the soundbite. It should be the intro to all of our podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> should be. Right? What about my mum met Di- uh, Diana Hart in the toilet and gave <laughs> You're have a full interview dedicated to that. To show up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's just going to be you saying it over and over again to Diana Hart. My mum met you. Do you in the remember? Toilet. Do you remember? Do you remember what happened? Do you remember? going to say it in in, a, in seventy different languages. <laughs> ah, very good. <laughs> Right, so yeah, as I said, <laughs> we have plenty of interviews coming up in the coming <laughs> in the near future, so keep your eye on bbgwrestling.com. So if you enjoy our show, follow us on Twitter, BBG Wrestling, and good night. Take it easy. <laughs> good night. Hey.